0: Welcome to In the Hot Seat with the Tenney Group. I'm Spencer Tenney. It's good to be with you. Is a billion-dollar verdict really a billion-dollar verdict? With me to unpack it all, special guest, Sophia Bernard, partner at Taylor Nelson PL. Sophia, welcome to the Hot Seat. Thank you. I am happy to be here. So before we heat things up a little bit, Sophia, why don't you just take 20, 30 seconds and tell us a little bit about the work that you're doing at your firm?
1: Sure. Um, so I am the Litigation partner here at Taylor Nelson. We're a Florida boutique transportation firm, but we service nationwide. We specifically only service the transportation industry because myself and my partners were all very passionate about transportation. And what's really cool about our firm is that each one of us have formerly been general counsel for transportation companies. And so in my practice, I am, you know, defending transportation companies, breach of contracts, cargo planes. You know doing it all whatever the company needs you know we sometimes serve as their general counsel so we try to handle all the needs of the industry
0: and that you do so with that let's heat things up a little bit so recently you and i were were both um on the speaking roster at freight fest in houston texas and you were mesmerizing the folks in the audience as we were talking about nuclear verdicts and you know the facts and the fiction around Mm -hmm. some of those things And so uh, I teased it out here, but um, and we'll get to that here in a minute. But what are some of the greatest misconceptions about nuclear verdicts that trucking businesses don't fully understand?
1: Yeah, I think, you know, one of the the, the greatest misconception is really that they're going to be a victim. And I use the word victim because this is all, you know, marketed plays by the Claims as bar and claims attorneys attorneys. I think transportation companies think that just because they're a company, they're automatically going to be hit with a nuclear verdict. And I think to some extent too, their insurance carriers think the same thing. And so, you know, what we're seeing sometimes is the overvalue of claims because of the fear that they will be the next billboard, the next newsletter, the next, you know, big topic in transportation.
0: So you said overvalue of claims.
1: Can you give uh-huh.
0: us just the, the economics of what that can look like? Sure. So,
1: you know, you see a case where the property damages may not be that significant. And one popular, you know, way to do this is alleging traumatic brain injury, because that is, a, a, that is an illness or an injury that is very hard to prove and often very, very fake. So you see an accident that looks very insignificant. The only significant thing of the accident is that it involved a tractor trailer, and mm. so you know police attorneys would run with it they would hire you know a lot of experts they' get their clients treated with unnecessary treatments to try to drive the value of the claim so where it could have been a claim that's probably worth fifty thousand they they're you know use all the scare tactics to try to make it a one million plus claim mm
0: and and, and typically, how successful are the folks in getting that $1 million claim?
1: You know, they really are not that successful. And, Mm -hmm. you know, the interesting thing is, like, it's this big topic because all you hear about are, you know, billion-dollar verdicts or, you know, $50 million here. But I I would say they're they're very far and few in between. I think the vast majority of claims settle um, where they're supposed to settle, and they settle reasonably. It just really takes having an attorney on your side that's not scared to push back on, you know, reserves, push back on these plaintiffs and try to fight back on these tactics.
0: So, so what's the difference? You mentioned that whether or not they have an attorney, but like mm-hmm. what, what is the behavior uh, response of the typical trucking company when someone says, Hey, we think this is a brain injury and this is mm-hmm. a million dollar plus claim and pay up, or this is going to get even uglier. Yeah. I mean, what, what is the behavior within that organization? Like what's their typical response? And then what are the first couple of steps that they would typically uh, confront that, that threat to their operation?
1: Well, there are a, a lot of steps, a lot of things, you know, happen before they even get a demand. And so what you see is you see an accident. And then I think some of the first things that happen is it gets reported to the insurance carrier and the carrier makes an evaluation of the claim and, you know, they put reserves on it. And then the attorney, the plaintiff's attorney on the, on the back end, you know, they're maybe not responding, right, to the transportation company, their attorney, or even carrier, they're on the back end trying to, you know, get their client to continue treating and trying to, you know, develop a story on their end about what the injuries are. And so it takes a while to get to the point where you start seeing some of the unreasonable demands, but once you you get there, you know, you want to push back and really pin down the damages and look at what you have and sort of push back on what those unreasonable demands are. Interesting.
0: All right, so I teased it, but you, you told a very eloquent story at FreightFest <laughs> about this company that that won a billion-dollar yeah. verdict, uh, and then you unpacked it and said, "This is this is not real. Tell us what happened.
1: Yeah, so there was, and I, I believe the jurisdiction was Duval County, Jacksonville, Florida, right? So there's a billion dollar verdict. And what, you know, what, what, what you don't know is that the insur- the defense, the transportation company that that verdict was found against had gone bankrupt well before the trial had happened. And so there was a trial essentially with an empty chair. So the plaintiffs is basically they're making a case to the jury, but there's no one in the chair defending the case. There's no one there. And so the the jury has one side of the story and they awarded a billion dollar verdict. Was that ever collectible? Probably not. The company went bankrupt. It probably went nowhere, but it it sure made the headlines and it was enough to scare people into thinking that, you know, they could be the next billion dollar verdict. And you know i i I'm making light of the situation, but you know it is it is something serious because when the verdicts are legitimate, you know they can sometimes bankrupt companies, but oftentimes there's a lot to the story than just a fifty million dollar billion dollar verdict
0: right and and in the way that you know our worlds intersect because just the threat that that mm-hmm. headline presents it gets thinking about whether or not they want to be in the industry at all anymore. Is it, mm-hmm. is it too, is it too much? And so what's interesting to me is that all business owners, many of which love this industry. And if, if they think they can still succeed and it's a fair fight, they're going to, they're going to be in this industry for a long time to come. Exactly. But yeah, but, but, but headlines like that certainly make it very challenging to, uh, kind of, uh,
1: belly up to the bar.
0: Yeah, and, 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 and I think and some going. of the
1: other challenges too is that, I, you know, the insurance companies, they're reacting to this too, right? And so premiums are increasing, the cost to insure um, for motor carriers are increasing. And so there, there are a couple of carriers that have mm-hmm. gone out of business for no other reason other than the cost of insurance has gone so high that it forced them out of business. So thats mm-hmm. is, that, that is part of the reaction to nuclear verdicts. And it's why I think that you know our industry we really just need to continue pushing back. And I think Florida has taken such a great step in fighting back on the nuclear verdicts by tort reform.
0: hmm Yeah, it would be interesting what the story like if there was just as much press around the real outcome of that mm-hmm. billion-dollar verdict. You know, then for me, I think that the insurance carriers and their and the and, and the their insurance providers may be having different conversations. And so. Exactly. Um, um, but the reality is this: I, I I drive down the highway just like you do, and I don't care what major city that I'm in. It's billboard after billboard after billboard of people just itching for a chance to stick it to a trucking company. Mm-hmm. Somebody somebody's winning those verdicts. Otherwise, I don't. There wouldn't be those those billboards there. So clearly, um, it's a real risk, even mm-hmm. if some of it is is marketing. So. So, how do people know in that situation, both in terms of their 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 legal advisors, their insurance companies? How do they know, and what 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 can they do to decipher between what is pure marketing and 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 what is a legitimate expense that they need to do their best to mitigate?
1: Yeah. So, I think that's it's really hard to know, and there's really no way to know, right? So, I mm-hmm. think what companies can do is make sure that they have policies in place um, to protect them. And some of that is making sure that you have a very solid safety program, a very solid training program. You're, you know, you're, you're properly preserving, you know, tractor and trailers after they've been involved in an accident. You're immediately interviewing witnesses. You're immediately getting in front of the case, so that way you're not just kind of sitting back, waiting for a plaintiff to build a case. And now you're on the offense the whole time. You start playing defense before it even begins, and sometimes it doesn't even go anywhere. But you, you stay prepared. And I think that is how we fight back and make sure that we're not overpaying claims mm-hmm. or being a victim of nuclear verdicts. But it's really hard to tell, like, you know, when it's all fluff and when it's not. You just have to make sure that your programs are positioned to protect your company and your assets.
0: Some, some of the um, I've seen some headlines where there's settlements, even when there's clear evidence that the that, that the carrier's not guilty. In the Mm -hmm. case, I mean, there's there's sufficient evidence, but they still settle. Um, So help us understand what from your vantage point, what does fighting back look like?
1: You know, fighting back looks like, you know, having like I said, like just having a solid safety program, um, really evaluating and digging into those medicals really looking into the plaintiff's backgrounds really challenging the legitimacy of their injuries and 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 if you're a broker really looking at your liability and making a decision about fighting back i mean there's been great case law so far we've seen in the 11th circuit and i believe the seventh circuit where they're finding brokers not liable on the on the faa preemption so you know if you're a broker you're in a great position if you're a motor carrier you're, you know, we have to focus on the safety program. We have to focus on how we're marketing ourselves. We have to focus on how we're training our drivers. And we have to really watch the habits of our drivers to make sure that we're not providing ammo to the plaintiffs, where they can then go back and, you know, use, you know, marketing or even deposit testimony as ammo to sort of, you know, bait the juries with this reptile tactics and make the juries believe that trucking companies are these, the big bad
0: mm-hmm no i love that so let me let me transition a little bit you kind of opened up in your intro sharing a little bit about how each partner within the firm at taylor nelson has had general counsel experience and i'm curious mm-hmm. how has that informed the way that you serve trucking companies
1: so i i think you know it, it allows me and, and all of us really to put ourselves in the position of the client because we were the client at one point so we understand what clients are looking for and we know how to speak to the client. And we also, you know, when, especially for me as a litigator, when I'm making decisions for a case, I can consider like the business impact of that decision and whether it's worth it in my case or not, because I understand that there's a bigger picture at play. It's not just this case. We have to look at the entire portfolio and make sure that it makes sense. and won't impact future cases. Got that. Oh, that's
0: great. <laughs> so um, what are some of the big issues? Of course, do nuclear verdicts, but you're as 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 a legal advisor, not just this, I mean you're you're looking at all kinds of different things for, for your clients as well. What are some other major trucking issues that you're have a have a close eye on right now?
1: Definitely cargo claims and <laughs> fraud and you know, fictitious carriers, you know, stealing cargo. I think those are big issues right now.
0: Yeah. Those are those are not small. Not yeah. small at, at, <laughs> at all. Yeah, so let's let's talk about fraud because um there I mean, there's big questions around that. Um, what's an example of, of some things that you're seeing where folks have provided themselves some protection or, around fraud in their company? What are you seeing some from a best practice standpoint? What are your clients doing?
1: You know, it's it's really in the vetting. And the vetting of the carrier just taking like an, an extra step because these these companies are getting very sophisticated and making themselves look identical to legitimate companies and it is it is it is hard it's very hard so i i think best practice is just taking an extra step when vetting uh, motor carriers and also just using other resources like you know for you know carrier 401 or some of the other some of the other you know programs that help you know determine whether this specific carrier has you know been involved in some fraudulent activities which you know oftentimes that's not even really the answer right because these Mm -hmm. companies what are they doing they're dissolving and creating new entities and so really just taking a look at their financials because if they don't have strong financials it's probably a good chance that they're either a newly created entity for the purpose of creating a fraud or you know, they're just not stable enough and it's probably going to cost you more in the long run.
0: No, that's great insight right there. Is it not frightening <laughs> how, <laughs> it, how, is, how, it is. how aggressive these people are? This is insane. Yeah. Um, so with that, what are you hopeful about within this industry? What do you see within trucking logistics right now that inspires you, that gets you excited about the future of the
1: space change? I mean, right now, I'm very, I just saw a decision in, in Pennsylvania that, you know, upheld, you know, the, you know, four quad A preemption. And I'm just very hopeful right now that other courts are going to start applying this. And we're going to start seeing some real solid change within the industry. I'm also very hopeful for tort reform, you know, Florida, our tort reform just passed over the summer. And so right now it's kind of hard to see how much that's going to help the trucking industry, but I'm hopeful that it is going to. So I think within a year or two from now we'll be able to see that. But you know, I'm very interested to see other states follow the same method or, you know, maybe even make their toy reform a little stronger than ours because I think it's about time like we start pushing back on plaintiffs and really protect the industry that keeps our country going.
0: I love that. I love that message right there. So this is, I'm going to mix things up a little bit. Now, my team at Tenny Group, they're obsessed with this Netflix show, The Suits. So (laughs) do you know what I'm talking about? I do, I do, Do, I do. Do do you watch this show?
1: I watched it.
0: (laughs) All right, then let's get real here, Sophia. I got to know, if you're looking in the mirror as yourself as an attorney, do you see Harvey Specter, Louis Litt? uh uh mike ross or mike ross's uh better half i forget what her name is four, um, i, those, I think four...
1: i think i like harvey <laughs> 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 harvey is my favorite he's a little unrealistic because he just gets a file and he's like the answer's right there <laughs> and he solves the whole case in two minutes but i really like he's, he's one of my favorites i don't really like lewis that much i don't know what it is about lewis but i don't like him <laughs>
0: He he is uh, he's he's pretty uh, uh, quirky. That, that probably yes. might, might be the most uh, d- delicate way to say it. No, it. Yes. it I, I was when as we were prepping for this conversation, I was wondering. I was like, I bet you anything, Sophia is just going to call straight nonsense when they like when they hand them those files and they open them up and and, and it, they don't even look at. They're like, oh my gosh, the answer's right here. Like they don't they even don't read even, it. No, I'm like, no, how it's like, you not, read that fast? I'm sure that like. The work Sophia has done can be summarized in literally exactly. one, su- exactly. one second of opening up a file. <laughs> uh, but it's good to know that I've got a Harvey Specter in my network in case uh, I need a call on somebody. That's very good to know. Um, all right, so I've got one final question for you, Sophia, which is it's been fun. I've really enjoyed this. Um, I want you to go back to young Sophia, freshman year of college. Don't know mm-hmm. what the heck you're going to do. And then if you could give any career advice to young Sophia as you're uh-huh. about to begin thinking about professions and impact and whatever else you want to do, what advice would you give to that young, aspiring professional?
1: Um, I would tell her to keep going. You know, I think I, when I look back, I don't think there's anything that I would change. But there are definitely moments when I thought that, you know, some of the things that I wanted would, would just never happen and I felt like quitting. So if I could go back, I would tell myself to rid yourself of those thoughts, keep going because it all works out and it's going to continue getting better and and you're completely in charge of your career. Oh, I love that. All right, so
0: folks that have questions about litigation, anything in terms of um, the work that you're doing, what's the best way for them to contact you? Um, Email
1: sbernard at at taylorlawpl.com.
0: All right
1: heard it here first that's going to do it for us in the hot seat Sophia. we will
0: see you next time